0: Bästa, Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson. Hoi, here comes Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, Carlsson. Ingen faktiskt ingen annan Läser bra som mig. Carlson, 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 Carlson scores. Carlson, Carlson, the world's best Carlson. Yes! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carl's Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools, which isn't true, but we still say it because that's our catchphrase and that's how catchphrases go. I am your host, Elon Dubrowski, ready to bring you another episode in our Beat Writer interview series. We've got a really fun one coming at you with Lisa Dillman about the LA Kings. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, your friend and mine, the fantasy hockey robot, Brian Kamm. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. We
1: hope you really enjoyed our first edition uh, that we already released with Prashanth Iyer about Detroit. This is edition number two. It's bigger. It's Well, no, they're all going to be equally amazing. So uh, stay tuned. It's going to be awesome. But first, Elon, let's mention that we are presented by Dabra Hockey, which keeps, as we always say, churning out the fantasy hockey content throughout this pause period they're doing a fantastic job of keeping fresh takes coming fresh angles and you should go check it out dobberhockey.com
0: we'll also mention quickly that if you would like to support the podcast if you're excited about this interview series that we're embarking on and now two shows into uh we'd love to get your support over at keepingcarlson.com slash patron we have a patreon program and we have a promotion going where basically you don't have to give us anything it's like a token. Give us a buck a month just to show us that you want to hang out. You get to join our community on Facebook. We're having a lot of fun there. We're having lot, anyone could obviously post any fantasy questions and you get like a lot of responses right now since there's, you're like the only one asking for actual advice uh, at this time. Also, we've been doing our patron rankings every day. We vote on a new player to rank for next season. So that's been a lot of fun. Lots of interesting discussion. Also, we've been having these really fun drafts every week on Sunday. It looks like we might lock this in every Sunday at 4 p.m. where the patrons are drafting a previous season and then getting the results in real time uh, i just did one today we're recording this on sunday i think this won't be released until thursday but uh i came in second uh, congratulations to kevin who uh beat me out and, and came in first so brian that's my second loss in a row i also came in second to mason last week so i'm gonna try to fix that next week but anyways if you want to get in on all the fun uh check it out keepingcarlsoncom slash patron but with that brian why don't we cut to our very interesting interview with Lisa Dillman and I'll introduce her when we cut to the interview. So, here it is. Okay, everybody, we're really excited for this interview we have for you. Joining us on the show is senior writer for the Athletic covering the Los Angeles Kings and a veteran of 23 years at the Los Angeles Times covering the Kings, Ducks, Clippers, all, all the sports that aren't on right now. It's Lisa Dillman. Thank you so much for joining us, Lisa Dillman.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me. This is this is a this is a treat.
0: Oh, trust me, the pleasure is ours. It's a treat for us. Uh, We're doing this series of talking to different beat writers around the league. We just talked about Detroit earlier today, and we've got another, I guess, uh, not so exciting team currently in the NHL, the LA Kings. But but hopefully a bright future ahead. But I've got to, I've got to tell you, so, so, to start, I just wanted to ask about the team in general. Uh, I completely forgot. It's only a couple years ago that the Kings made the playoffs. I remember they got swept by the Golden Knights in round one back in 2017-18. And I was actually one of those dum-dums that thought that Vegas was going to flame out in the playoffs. I recall actually having the Kings going pretty far in my playoff bracket. And, you know, that was over very, very quickly. And then that whimper out of the playoffs was definitely a sign of things to come because the next couple of seasons, like they came last in the Western Conference 2018-19. And then this year they were battling for last in the West with fellow California teams Anaheim and San Jose before the pause. Uh, They at least have Detroit to make them feel good. Uh, They were so much lower. But in the West, it was the Kings around the bottom there. So what's the general feeling amongst the Kings organizations and fans right now for like how long is it going to be before this team will be competitive again?
2: Well, it's really interesting. In the next few days, we put a poll into the field. We've, I think the deadline today is for the fans to weigh in, our subscribers at The Athletic, asking a bunch of questions like, you know, reading Tom McCollum's job performance, Rob Blake and Luke Robitae's performance, what prospect they're most excited about. I'll, I'll kind of touch on that in a minute. Um, and they are far more optimistic than you can imagine about a team that had the fourth worst record in the NHL and is, on, you know, is obviously going to miss the playoffs for a second straight year. Finishing this before the pause with seven straight wins is one element, but I think the Kings have done a really good job of selling the future, and um, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's been a real hard sell, and then, believe me, there's a lot to be excited about, but um, I think the fans have realized that there's potential hope hope in the pipeline coming.
1: Yeah, those the seven wins that they rattled off was pretty amazing. Going into the break, I honestly I didn't even realize it, and they were like they had a really strong finish after what they lost like eleven out of fourteen at some point just before that. Not to outweigh the positive with the negative, huh. of course. They finished strong, and that's what matters. Now you mentioned you're talking about the new guard coming in and. I just there's still some juice in the old guard, though, right? Like we've got Anze Kopitar, who has picked up this like weird clockwork pattern about the seasons he's been having lately. He had a down year in eighteen nineteen by putting up only sixty points, but he bounced back in the pause season with sixty two points and seventy games for what was going to be a seventy three point. Yep full season pace and that just fits perfectly into this pattern how he goes hot and then he goes cold for seasons in 15 16 75 points then 56 the next season then 92 then 61 mm-hmm. and then he was on pace for 73 again this season so what what do you think like should we just say okay uh he had a good season this year he's gonna have a rough one next year or do you think he's finally going to break that cycle
2: i think he's gonna break that cycle i I, if i was you know i have friends i'm not in fantasy leagues but i have lots of friends and colleagues that are that follow this closely and i I would you know i wouldn't um sleep on him this break i think it's going to you can look for any sort of silver lining it's going to give these guys a chance to heal to get stronger you know everybody's dealing with something you know aches and pains more serious things and i think i think this long you know it's let's face it, it's going to be a long break before they start playing hockey again. And I think that probably will benefit him. He's, you know, these guys have a lot of miles on them, you know, like Doughty, Jeff Carter, you know, Popitar, Dustin Brown, you know, quick, just a lot, of, a lot of mileage. And, and it's, it's like, I kind of harken back to Teemu Solani like way back when, um, the lot, when the there was the lockout and he I, think he, I don't know if he actually had knee surgery or his, he let his knee recover and he, he came back and he, they got, a lot, they got a lot more years out of him. So That's right. this might end up benefiting some of, the, some of the veterans down the line.
1: Was there a reason, though, that Kopitar just couldn't string two consistent seasons together? Do you, was it fatigue as he just, you know, hit the end of his 20s and entered his early 30s? Because uh, to me, thinking back to his career he's been a lock as being a really quality player. Sometimes I guess to me, my read is that sometimes he just can't always shoulder the load that he's been asked to shoulder over the last three, maybe four years.
2: I think, and to, you know, let's, let's face it. You know, he has, a, he's so responsibly defensive in you know, a defensive manner. He he can't, I mean, perfect coach's son plays the game in the right way. You know, he, he was like the one player Daryl Sutter hardly ever got pissed off at. <laughs> and, and he plays the game the right way and if he was in a different system and we started to see a different system under Tom McClone he would be a much different player you know the, the numbers would go up even more
1: it's a real accomplishment to be able to not be the one who makes Daryl Sutter angry so I was, geez, Trevor
2: had, Lewis I said Trevor Lewis is the other guy who, and he claimed he's said least you know I, I, I pissed him off I, I, I did trust <laughs> me
1: Uh, so one guy who probably did piss off Daryl Sutter at some point and is really making his fantasy owners mad or people who've stood by him lately is Jeff Carter, who, uh, really just hit, it felt like rock bottom in his career in 2018, 19, where really none of the Kings had a great season, including Kopitar and, uh, the, the rest of the team. It was, you know, the first season after making, anyway, Jeff Carter, yeah. I, I'm trying to make excuses for him, I
0: guess. Because Brian loves had, Jeff Carter, I should yeah. say. Like Brian, <laughs> so- for so long, told people, "Don't worry, Carter's going to be fine." And eventually, yeah. he finally had to admit that maybe Carter's not going to be valued in fantasy anymore. Now he's going to ask you, maybe, but is he?
1: <laughs> no, but here's the thing, and here's you I like want to make my case first before I ask you, Lisa, because like he had. In 1718 he got injured. He only played 27 games. He had 22 points in those 27 games. He comes back from that injury in 1819, 34 years old sure, but 33 points in 76 games and he stopped shooting, which was like such a key part of his game. He was the only king who we could look to and say, "Oh yeah, he's got a shot at breaking 60 outside of Anze Kopitar." Then he came back in 1920 and under the hood, like, you know, if I'm looking at his fancier numbers, they all seem to rebound but the score sheet did not reflect that. So, what's the deal with Jeff Carter? Does does he still have another strong fifty five plus point season in the tank, or is his ability to maybe run his own line uh, in decline at age thirty five?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably a lot to ask at this stage. Um, but let's face it, the injury he suffered it was much more serious than anybody could have, could have known. That he was prepared to admit. He talked to me on the record about it a little bit when he was approaching his. Thousandth game milestone and talked about how difficult it was to come back and there are times the last couple seasons since his comeback from injuries look like the Carter of old, but those are few and far between and sometimes you can just see the way he's skating early in a game, whether he has it or not on that on that given night. Um, I'm looking at the staff before before we chatted and uh, I I was squinting at my glasses on, he had seven game winning goals. I was like, was like, whoa, okay, I was very surprised by that. Um, and he, you know, he has an injury right now. I just did a, story, a little Q and A with him the other day, and um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if the season, if they're playing right now, he couldn't play. It sounds like a that, that lower body injury that he suffered in Winnipeg right before the trade deadline is still is still a significant issue. And the other thing, uh, one thing I, I also some, should mention that he, I think, not this past season, but the season before, he more than anybody else was weighted down by playing with Ilya Kovalchuk. Like mm. he, he was Ooh. just like, you know. The Kovalchuk thing lasted five minutes. It just nobody seemed to like want to play with this guy or, or could play with this guy. And, and Jeff Carter was, for lack of a better word, stuck with him more often than not. And it was just a, you know, an experiment that, that failed on all, all levels.
0: Oh, so were Kings fans generally happy when Kovalchuk finally got moved? And then were they surprised? When, what was it like being a Kings fan and seeing Kovalchuk have that really good run when he first got to Montreal?
2: To Montreal? I know, it was like every day, every day I'd be getting messages from fans saying, hey, look what he did, and sending us videos of, you know. Basically, you know, I think I think it came down to he realized that this is it. This is, this is my last shot. And he wants to stay in the United States. His kids like it, his... They're invested as kids are all playing sports. I think the family's still living in Beverly Hills. Now they're 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 dug in there. And I, I think it, it kind of like, I don't know if you had a come to Jesus moment, but like this is it. So I I was yes, yeah. I, I was very, very surprised based on like what I saw. Um, you know, he actually played well under John Stevens, but the Willie DeJardon thing was a disaster. And even I thought for sure that there'd be a longer leash with Todd McClellan, I still don't quite know why it went so sour with Todd so fast.
0: Right. Yeah. And and in Montreal, like Kopitar did have that great run, but then he did start to slow down. So maybe like you said, he just got that big jolt and then, you know, he wasn't able to carry that forever. But anyways, let's not talk about him. I (laughs) want to talk about, so we brought up Kopitar before and it's been forever, at least fantasy wise for LA for the forwards. The only forwards that are worth looking at are the ones playing on the top line with Kopitar. And this past season, we saw Kopitar mainly playing with Dustin Brown and Alex Ayafalo. That was the top line for the majority of the season. And Ayafalo, like he had a real breakout year like he actually saw top power play time for the first time in his three-year career Uh, clearly the deployment helped Uh, he was pacing for 50 points when his previous best was 33 points so do you see Ayafalo as someone who is gonna stick as a top line player on the Kings like was this step forward legit to the point that he's going to be able to hold this spot and maybe also hold a spot on the top power play next season? Is he someone that should be on people's radars?
2: I, I think short-term, yes. Long-term, probably not with all the stuff, all the players they have coming along. But you know, he's one of those guys I, I talked to. I talked to, I remember who it was. I talked to one of the scouts. Um, I'm not really allowed to quote these guys by name. <laughs> but I talked to one of the scouts and said, hey, he's, he's doing what he, he's done with the Kings is what he did at Minnesota Duluth. Like he got better each season, more comfortable. You know with everything he, he progressed and, and you saw like a steady steady improvement with this with him and um i think the other thing is that, that they had a, you know mostly dustin was on that line but then you know dustin brown remember how he had pneumonia right before, right around the christmas holidays he was actually hospitalized for a day so he was out of the lineup for a little while and then when they were showcasing tyler to for the deadline, he was over on that side and actually that was a pretty effective unit for a while too mm-hmm. so I, I liked what i saw there but back to your question, I think, I think he sticks there for the next little while because I think I, a lot of these fans think that these prospects are going to come in and set the world on fire, and I, I think people are going to have to be a little patient. That you know, it's not like a you know, skyrocket to success here. I really want to ask you about all these prospects in
1: like just a couple minutes. I promise we'll get there because the thing to talk about with the Kings is the future, but just to, to close the loop on one more guy who saw some time in the top six and on the top power play unit this year, which was a new role for him was Adrian yeah. Kempe who had this great finish where he had eight points in his final 11 games. He was on that top power play and It was Kopitar, Brown, I follow and drew Doughty. And this guy, he's been in the league four years, but he's still only 23 years old and had a career high number of minutes, averaging almost 16 minutes a night, this season, And in those minutes, he was taking advantage. He was shooting the puck yeah. more. Uh, his shots seemed a little more dangerous. And I, I was actually just looking at his numbers. He probably could have done even better for most of the season, but he was only shooting 4% at 5-on-5 five five compared to usually being closer to the 10% mark in his career. So... Just towards the end of the season, our eyes were opening on Adrian Kempe and we didn't get to see exactly where that was going to lead. Do you see that following into next season for him to be a legit impacts player in the top six?
2: Yeah, I, I do. Um, he, he's like, you're right. You, you think he's been, you think he's older than he is cause he's been around for such a long time and he's, they don't have a lot of guys in that age range with a you know, they have younger guys coming, the older guys coming, but they need that sort of middle level type of player to excel. So I, I think, I think he, he will. In fact, um, Drew Daddy did a conference call the other day and I asked him who surprised him the most up front uh, in the back and then up front. And uh, he mentioned Matt Roy and then, um, he was pretty funny. He says, "I can't really remember who's on our team right now." <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I
1: mean, that, that's the way a lot of people feel about the Kings sometimes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so you know, he he came up with Blake, Blake Lazad, who's you know, not going to put up many points. But and then, and then he says Adrian Kempe. You know, he didn't get off to the best start, but you know, he he cited what you did he, the finish. And um, and this is a guy that had one goal in his first seventeen games. And and I think really everything turned around when Todd McClellan made him a healthy scratch in Minnesota. In the first month of the season, and that kind of got everybody's attention. That you know, there's a sheriff and what we were able to get away with before, we can't now. So I, I think he, I, I like his skill. I like his game. I mean, he's he's just so streaky. That that's the problem. You know, he he, he can go away for quite a while.
0: Yeah, but obviously the when he gets the opportunity, he's shown that he can do something. Like uh, uh, compared to being healthy scratch, like Brian said, he was on the top power play. Yeah. And if he could hold on to that, like who knows? Though of course that top power play is quarterbacked by the person who you said held that press conference, Drew Doughty, <laughs> and he's another player like a lot of people have wanted us to ask you about because you know he started the season in typical Doughty fashion. He had 23 points his first 36 games. So he was pacing for another 50 plus point season, but then he really fell off. Like he disappeared. He let his fantasy owners down. And I guess the Kings, but mainly the fantasy owners, because he became like uh, almost irrelevant for a long stretch. He only had 12 points in his final 31 games. And you know, that was including five assists in his final five games. So before yeah. that, we were looking at like a point, maybe every three games or so. So st- at the end of the day, like Doughty ended up pacing for 43 points turned out to be his worst pace since 2013-14, but obviously not terrible. But yeah, that stretch in the middle of the season is something I don't recall ever seeing from Doughty before him not putting up points at all. So do you think that this is something we should maybe be concerned about going into next year that maybe Doughty isn't the consistent point producing defenseman anymore? Or do you think that was just a blip and he'll be back to good old reliable Doughty going into his what, age 31 season, I guess?
2: You know, I don't see him trending upward in a, in a significant way. Um, but the question is, like, okay, who 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 else, who, you know, who else is going to quarterback that power play? You right. know, that that's it's just he, he's there, so he will hopefully pick up points by almost not fault, but uh, you know, he's sort of in, entrenched in that in that spot. Um, he he more than anyone else seems to uh, have kind of you know has the emotional roller coaster going more than a lot of the other guys, um, you know, he was, he was not, not himself heading into the trade deadline. You know, almost everybody did get better after the trade deadline and he, you know, he had a, a good finish late, but yeah, you know, they, they, you know, clearly, you know, I, you're right. Fantasy owners are upset and, and the fans, you know, he's, 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 a, you know, fans get on him probably more than, than, than most of the players really.
0: Right. Well, I guess that's fair. He's like the leader of the team, but and overall... They see,
2: they, see, they see the contract. They see the contract. And he, and he, and he puts himself out there. He, I love him. He's great. He's a great quote. And, uh, you yeah, he makes himself a, sort of an easy, easy target with his honesty, too. That, that, you know, I love the honesty. Don't ever change. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes fans get a little, um, up, you know, frustrated with him.
0: Right. Yeah. But, well, you know what? Maybe they just don't realize how good they have it. I'm sure they'd preferred this to him just well, not can you imagine anything. if he
2: went someplace else? I mean, geez. I mean, you know... Two Stanley mm-hmm. Cups, two Olympic gold medals. I mean, it's just, the, the, the guy is a defensive savant and he, and with a good team, how, how good would he be really?
0: Uh, it's almost like hard to imagine Dowdy on another team. It's like, as a Sens fan, you know, when Alfredson went to Detroit and was like, what is this weird? Like, I feel like it would feel the same way. Uh, that just Doughty doesn't seem else.
2: right, does it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But eventually, Dowdy's either going to, we will probably not go somewhere else, but eventually he can't quarterback that top power play forever. I'd be curious to know like, how long you think he's going to hold on to this job. But is there anyone currently in the system that the Kings are looking at as a potential replacement for Dowdy in that spot? Or are we looking at, like a couple of our patrons were asking us about, like Jamie Drysdale, Jamie Drysdale. who's a defenseman like, <laughs> available in the draft. Maybe he's like the next power play defenseman who's not even on the team yet. Uh, like, w- what do you think is the future for that top power play quarterback?
2: You know that they always say you know going in the draft you've got to take the best player available don't go by position blah 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 but you know they really they they need that and they need that you know who knows what lottery where they you know where they are but if they, if they if Drysdale's available you know I think that's that's the guy they have to move on and they've, got, they've got you know they've, they've both lined nicely but you know the 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 dynamic difference making defenseman. You know, I'm just looking at the names right now. There's just a bunch of steady, solid types there. You know, like, like, it's like a Mikey Anderson came in was impressive, but, you know, I, this is just like a whole nother level here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, before the Kings traded Alec Martinez, you could even be like, oh, well, you know, maybe he could at least bridge the gap if Dowdy does Need to be moved on from the top power play quarterback. But now there's, I mean, Jamie Drysdale, by the way, 47 points in 49 games for the OHL's Erie Otters last season as a 17 year old. So that's a promising start. And I guess he can't age quickly enough for the LA Kings uh, when they might be looking for reinforcements on the back end. Let's talk about those other prospect forwards now who might be able to push their way. Into the top six amongst the Copatars and Browns and Aiafalos and Kempis. Um, you know, like the whole orientation right now in LA is looking towards the future. So there are a few future names that I wanna throw at you. And how about we'll start with Gabe Velarde, who was the Kings 11th overall pick. Back in 2017, Uh, you know, he's had a tough road. There's been a lot of injuries along the way, but when he has played, and I was actually fortunate to see him play, I think he was playing for Kingston. I saw him play against the Ottawa 67s uh, here in Ottawa uh, when he was playing in junior. Uh, He looked really great. So uh, the question that we had from one of our listeners was, can Gabe Velarde be a future Kopitar? And I guess that's a really big ask for Velarde. So I guess my question is, what's his entry point? And can he eventually morph into a, a top line center?
2: Yeah, because uh, with Kobachar, you know, you you're talking about you know Hart Trophy finalist just a couple years ago, perennial Selkie contender. So that's that's a pretty big. You're right, like you just said, it's a pretty big ask. But he has come such a long ways from you know I, I was writing about him like my first year at the athletic, that was a question we were getting about him. When's he going to play? Is he still hurt? Is he done? Blah, 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 blah. And I said, we can't, we, you cannot write off a kid like this. You can't write off a teenager and say he's never going to play again. I'm sorry. Unless his doctor says it or, or he does or his agent. So when he finally, finally arrived, you know, they, they, I thought they took the right tack. They let him play in Ontario for a few months you know, this is a kid who had not, he had not played a lot of hockey the last year and a half. So let him get his, you know, let him get going. Had some ups and downs there. Um, came up, played the last, you know, 10 games and um, had some nice chemistry with Martin Furk, uh, which was, they, they'd played together in Ontario. So they really had a good one-two punch going. And uh, so that kind of carried over. But I think, I mean, you know, the Kopitar comparison, I, I mean, I think he's going to end up being a very, very good pro. But I think that also is just, such such a huge leap make
1: it's almost like sacrilege i think kovatar being the living legend that he is it's to be able to say that anyone is going to grow into him just because of what he is you know on and off the ice and as a two-way guy so i i i agree it's too soon to go there, but we'll see, you know, when a has been retired a few years and is emerging, yeah. if he can take that mantle then. Uh, how about a couple other guys who are now coming up in the system uh, from the 2019 draft for the Kings? We've got Alex Turcott and Arthur Kaliev. One of our listeners, uh, Fred, wanted to know, like, just a general, what's the buzz on these guys? Uh, is anyone expecting them to make an impact? In the next season or two, or are we looking for a longer wait to see either of them in a King's uniform full time?
2: Well, we'll talk about Churcotte first. Um, yeah, you know, I went to I went to Wisconsin um, in October at the end of a King's road trip in Chicago and spent a couple of days uh, talking to him and talking to Tony Granato and talked to Cole Caulfield too. And if you had said, "Hey, Lisa, who's which of these kids is going to end up you know signing signing an entry level deal with the team?" I would have said Cole for sure. I thought Alex would be the one staying. And, and, you know, once again, my prediction was wrong. Um, <laughs> I just thought that I didn't write that.
1: <laughs> and so, you got uh, to keep your job.
2: <laughs> yeah. We ran, we ran actually, we we like to make fun of ourselves at the athletic. We ran, uh, Josh Cooper, who's one of my editors. He did our predictions and we sort of um, talked about how we did and our hits and misses. So, you know, there's some hits and there's some misses, but, um, we back to we Alex. know all
1: about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, just go back to our uh, goalie episode going into the season where we tried to predict how well uh like Carey Price and Pekka Rine and all of these like for sure stud goalies Sergei Bobrovsky were going to be.
2: Did you are you running ep- ep- uh are you running snippets of that uh episode uh, are you going to come back and r- roll that or not? Um,
1: unfortunately 2 weeks ago we did revisit the whole <laughs> thing oh, okay. and it was a, it was a full exercise in embarrassment but more importantly accountability which we appreciate yes. as a quality in you too.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So, so back to Alex. Um, so, you know, you, you know, Wisconsin. I don't know how familiar you guys are with them, but you know, they really had a, a disappointing season. There were high expectations, and you know, they just got smoked. And so he, you know, he ends up. The crazy. It was a crazy story. He ends up signing his entry-level deal, gets on a plane, is flying to LA the night of Kings game against the Senators which was the final wow. professional game played in North America in any major sports league. Cause it ended at like after 10 o'clock. So that was it. So he's in LA. He's supposed to practice with Ontario the next morning. And then the season's put on pause and all of our worlds have changed. So he ended up staying in, in California for the weekend, flew back to Chicago um, and is, you know, probably playing video games. And actually, he actually is watching. He told me he's watching a lot of video. He's studying Matt Barzell. And and he's, you know, I said, hey, good person to study. So he's breaking down video of him and, and watching, watching. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So back to your question. Um, Craig Button from TSN, uh, I talked to him and he thinks that Alex should have stayed another year in school. And he also said the same thing about Tyler Madden, who just signed an entry-level deal with the Kings, too. He thought that, you know, Tyler you know played two years at Northeastern, thought that he should have, you know, he, he thought that he wasn't quite ready yet. So. That was kind of an interesting take. Um, I think you will see probably both those guys in Ontario next season, whenever, whenever next season is.
0: We actually did an episode recently with Cam Robinson, a prospect expert, and he was saying that he could see Turcott even being like on the top line next season for the Kings. But it sounds like you're saying that there's others thinking he needs a bit more time to really develop before he gets that big opportunity. Well, I
2: mean, look, I mean, if, if you know, I, I mean, like Blake Lazat, did, did I, did I think he was going to make the team? No. <laughs> so, it's so like, yeah, there he is. He's, you know, he's, he's not, you know, on the roster for the entire season, didn't play one game in Ontario. And I, I think that was the person that, you know, really, so there, there are surprises, believe me.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then what about Arthur Kaliev? I know he was like someone that originally was ranked high in the draft and then kept on falling. By the time the draft came, he fell all the way to the second round. But maybe the Kings got a gem there in the second round. How are people liking what they saw out of Kaliev this year?
2: Well, first off, has anybody figured out, gotten a straight answer, like why he fell to the second day? I still haven't, I still not found that out from anybody.
0: Was he injured? Oh, people are probably yelling at their phones right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't
1: know. I don't remember either. I feel like it was weird that he fell. Injury sounds familiar, but I'm not going to vouch for it.
2: Yeah, the, the, the deal with him is that he... um. I think because of the you know the junior situation, he either has to play with the Kings or go back to junior for another year. Like Ontario is is not an option, and like they've been signing people inter level deals. Like seems like every day, you know, we're getting a new release, but you know, his, his name has not come across yet. So Yeah, and then you're right. I, I get more. Um, in fact, I'll tell you one little snippet where um we did like the player poll I mentioned or the poll I mentioned. We asked the the, the our readers. What, which prospect are you most excited about? And it's, it's, um, it's close, it's close. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's a horse race between Turcot and Velarde with Arthur, very close spot, close behind them. So those, those are the top three that people are most excited about. We've gotten like, we've got almost 500, five, almost 600 responses.
0: Wow. Okay. And then we'll see if we add Jamie Drysdale uh, to the list next year. Uh, So yeah, it's exciting. Like even though the older players, you know, the people who have been carrying the Kings forever are finally slowing down. It's nice to see that they have some players to be excited about. I guess that's how it works running an NHL team. Another player that's been around forever that we have to ask you about is Jonathan Quick who has not had a great last couple of seasons. Like uh, two seasons ago, 2018-19, he had that terrible 8.88 save percentage. And he was a little better this year. Not great, but he was you know, 16-22-4 and with a 9.04 save percentage. So long gone are those consistent seasons where Quick would just put up a you 9.15 know, to 9.17 save percentage, like year in, year out. Uh, meanwhile, so Jack Campbell got traded to the Leafs and then Calvin Peterson got a chance to come to the Kings again for the second season in a row. And for the second season in a row, he did really well. Like now in 19 NHL games, Cal Peterson has a 923 save percentage, which is kind of odd because his numbers with uh, the Ontario Reign and the AHL have been a lot less impressive. But I guess when he's playing in the big league with the, with the real pressure, that's where Cal Peterson shines. That's also just a 19 game sample size. So what's the sense in the organization in net? Like, is this still for sure quicks net and Peterson's just going to be a backup next year? Or are we thinking that maybe the Kings will go more to a 50-50 or maybe is there even a chance that Peterson could take over?
2: I, I think they probably go to something more of a 50-50 and I think it'll benefit quick actually in the long run. He, he won't like it, but it'll, you know, help him in terms of longevity. Cause he's, you know, like the people I was mentioning before, you know, the players have all those miles and miles on them and, and, and him, and, and he's leading example. Like, you know, even, even in their glory years, he was, you know, I remember he had a, after they won in 2012, I was actually covering the London Olympics, and uh, we got this note late at night because of the time difference. Oh, Jonathan Quick's having minor surgery. You know, by, by the way, there's no such thing as minor surgery. Um, and, and, <laughs> you know, he, and there was the, the, the lockouts of the season, the 48 game season. So, you know, he's, he wouldn't have been ready if, it, if the season started on time. So kind of you know, the groin things come up, um, and then and then and then his knee injury. He and Cal Peterson both had knee injuries, and I'm not, not Cal Peterson. I'm sorry, Jack Campbell bottom they and they both had surgery and so that gave cal pearson his shot and that's what you're referring to when he came in not this last season but the season before and he is he's like a, he's like a primetime guy and i'm looking at his ontario numbers and um you know heading into the ahl all-star game he was 16 15 and 4 in in late january in the a and, and facing a barrage of shots like 34.3 shots per game i mean just just and, that, and that's because, like, Ontario had a real seesaw season. At times, great. At times, they just get crushed. So, um, and, and and not a lot of consistency in the lineup because people were constantly coming back and forth from Ontario to L.A. So I, I think when they signed him to his extension last summer, it kind of telegraphed, really, that he was the goalie of the future and that Jack Campbell would be moved at some point because, um, you know, it was a two-way deal the season and then one way after that so kind of the writing was on the wall that this is going to be our guy
1: yeah so whoever does get to eventually play goalie in la is going to have a tough task hopefully by the time cal peterson you know gets his full shot and is ready to go at his at his full abilities he's got a well-rounded a more well-rounded Team in front to support him both offensively and defensively. One last question. I know we're squeezed for time, uh, but if we can throw this one last question out to you, that we're asking everybody as part of the speed series because of our you know our fantasy perspective, we're really curious to know from your inside perspective um who is one LA King that you expect to be the biggest positive surprise next season? Uh, someone who's going to exceed expectations? Maybe come out of nowhere, or maybe like I don't know, even. Someone like Dustin Brown, who expectations are low for, and he's already somewhere. So one, one King that you can see uh, being a positive surprise next season. And then on the flip side, one that we are expecting something from and are going to be disappointed. Like, again, perhaps Dustin Brown. He doesn't need to be your answers. I'm not meaning to put words no. in your mouth. Uh, but from your perspective, uh, one positive surprise that we can expect next year and one disappointment. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm sort of been thinking about that. I went for a run, and I was sort of mulling who I was gonna come up with. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think I would go with with Velarde. I I don't know why. I I mean I'm, you know, I, I hope I didn't sound down on him when I was not saying he's gonna be the next Kopitar. I still think he's no. be a very very good player, and and I think I think what I have seen in in a limited period of time, I I, I like and. And I think they are extremely high on him as well. They just don't want to put a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, as the team gets better, I think he'll get better, more confident. And, like, again, this is a kid who just didn't play a lot of hockey for the last year and a half. So, you know, I think the upside is incredible. Um, as much as I love Dustin Brown, I think you, you might have given me your, your, an answer right there. It's like, it's always tough for me to answer that question.
0: Yeah. So maybe it won't even be that big of a disappointment because no one is expecting him to be gangbusters anyway. I got to imagine it'll be maybe someone like an Iafalo or a campaign.
2: Yeah, a campaign. Yeah, I, I, exactly. And and like a couple people, I, I, I didn't talk about Tobias Bjornfot, who's a great defensive prospect down in Ontario. And then and then the Swede they drafted, Samuel Fajmo, who played, you know, who was great in the World Juniors. I mean, he could who knows he could come in and make the team and like, okay, I didn't expect that. So he could be a, a you know wild long shot.
0: Okay, well, definitely the people in Dynasty Leagues are, are all excited about all of these names that you're bringing up that I have to admit I haven't heard of. I don't know, Brian, if you want to... Well, Brian just won't share whether he's heard of the players or not. <laughs> he's in keeping, the he's of... keeping it secret. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Lisa, so much for sharing your expertise with us. Everyone who's listening, if you want to follow Lisa, I would definitely recommend it. You're at RealLisa on Twitter. That's pretty good. You're the Real Lisa. Fake
2: Lisa's. <laughs> I have fun with it. I have fun with it. It's like, it's self-deprecating in a way, but it's a, it's a good time.
0: Oh, it's pretty good. There's a lot of Lisa's out there and you're the number one real Lisa. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell people to check out?
2: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we're like, I don't, I don't, I won't go into sales pitch here, but you know, it's great. Please. I, I, I love working at the athletic. It's, it's I LA times is a great job. No, You know, no question, but the athletic's the best job I've ever had. It's fantastic. And it's, it's, they, they let us, you know, they let us, if we have a good story, they let us pursue it. You know, I went up to Wisconsin, spent a couple of days following Turcot around. I like doing that kind of stuff. And and we we like to do a whole bunch of stuff and and give people different takes. And and, and there's a lot of audience engagement. And even talking here to see if you guys are interested is giving me ideas going forward. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll get through this, you know, okay and intact and they have a commitment to hockey which is which is just fantastic and um yeah i hope everybody looks for our our poll next week we're gonna reveal reveal the exciting results next next week probably wednesday
0: that's the poll of which prospect people are most excited about. Yeah,
2: and people like people uh, and their assessment, uh, the uh, subscribers' assessments of Tom McClellan's um, job performance and Rob Blake, and and also when they think when they think the Kings are going to make the playoffs again. So I won't. Uh, that's a tease. I won't say what that. That was kind of interesting, actually.
0: Okay, cool. Brian and I obviously are subscribers to the Athletic, and we love it. We definitely recommend it to everyone. And if you're not a subscriber go there, tell them Lisa sent you. Uh, So, (laughs) Thanks again so much for coming on Keeping Carlson. And yeah, hope you have a great rest of your day. And thanks again. Stay
2: safe, stay safe and stay healthy, guys. Thanks, you too. Thank you.
0: Well, how about that? What a fun discussion about the LA Kings with Lisa Dillman. Thank you so much again for joining us, Lisa. Brian, we are back post-interview to cue the outro music of the podcast again. Thanks everyone for listening. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits?
1: All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey, empowered by our patrons. We want to thank... Real Lisa Dillman, once again, at The Athletic. And this episode was researched with help from Darber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Hockey Reference. Oh, and Hockey Database.
0: Yes, all great resources that we use all the time. Uh, So, Brian, next up, we are going to be going to Boston and Arizona. Looks like we've got those locked in for our next two teams, so I'm really excited to keep this going. It's been a blast.
1: It sure has, and will continue to be a blast. So, won't you please... Keep on keeping Carlson. san